Hey, this is Val Selby, and after over 20 years online, I can track where my mindset has blocked me. If procrastination, imposter syndrome, and a lack of focus have been blocking your biz, then Val Full Volume is here to help you see choices you are making. Get ready to use your expertise to collaborate like a pro as you create the business of your dreams. Now is the time to make changes and live your best life. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone. I am excited. Yes, I have brought in another guest. I know it's been quite a while, so I'm excited to have this full lineup of all of these people to bring to you because, you know, collaboration starts with talking to other people. <laughs> it really does help. But I'm excited because this is this is really unique. So I've got Ashton on here and she's going to talk about some stuff that goodness, I'm almost thinking we probably should have videoed for you to to (laughs) show what you do since it is so creative. But Ashton, thank you for being here. And would you just tell my listeners whatever you'd like them to know about you? Yeah. First of all, thanks so much for having me. I knew as soon as we hopped on a call, we'd have a good time. So I'm so excited to see where the conversation goes today. Yeah, so I'm a creative entrepreneur and I'm a live illustrator for a living. And I have been doing so for almost 10 years now, which is pretty wild to say out loud. Excellent. In your bio, you're talking about making money in a niche <laughs> where I mean, how many generations? It's not even decades. It's generations upon generations have everybody been told, oh, you can't make money off of being creative. I know. I know. That's Yeah, that's something that I really feel passionate about talking a lot about is sort of trying to dismantle the starvist arting mentality. And like we are surrounded by creativity all the time. And we pay a lot of money to actors and you know the things that we seem to get obsessed about I think we forget that these are different art forms some are just more highly paid than others or people put a lot of focus and energy on them but it's art and creativity surrounds us on a daily basis and people are paid very well in creative fields so I just find that such a odd statement mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. honest with you the whole like you can't make money as an artist and I'm yeah. like you know I, I just think that's ridiculous in I many see- many senses I see it a lot in people that are in more creative endeavors as entrepreneurs devaluing what yeah. they do Absolutely. I mean we all yeah. kind of do when it's something that comes easy to us yeah but I really do see it a lot more in the creative niche of you know putting a $17 price tag on something and it's like are you kidding me nobody else can yeah. do that <laughs> yeah it, it's a funny thing cuz we I think people just have a really hard time interlinking the two together art and business and they feel like two completely different worlds, which doesn't have to be the case. But like, maybe if you did something else, it might make a more of a logical sense. You go, oh, this thing and business, they feel like they're interlinked. But there does seem to be such a varying contrast between the two. And I feel like, unfortunately, a lot of artists kind of get into this space where, well, I'm going to stick it to the man by not charging or not dealing with the money side of things. Right. 
for part of me is like, if you want to do this creative thing in the world, you have to charge. If you can't feed your family or if you can't put a roof over your head, then who are you really sticking it to? Like farming yourself, you know? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like nobody else cares as much about what's going on in our life as we do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually really love talking about like business and money, especially from a creative running this kind of creative business for so long too, because I find creatives like have a really hard time dealing with money, talking about money, figuring out what to charge, like all of these things. And it's so emotionally charged, I think in general, but you add your own creativity on top of it. And when someone says no to you, it feels like an attack on your soul. <laughs> right. Because it is so personal to you. So oh. personal. Right. And I had to kind of untwine some of those things. I feel like those first few years, I'm like, if they are saying no to this service, they're not attacking who I am as a creative being in the world. They're just saying no to the service. Yeah. End of sentence. No emotional, which, you know, I am a very sensitive and emotional person (laughs) in general, right? So it can be one of those difficult things to kind of untwine, but it's really important to separate in a sense. And as a person who's charging for your work, you have to be able to turn on your creativity like in an instant. You can't get into the vibe, get into the flow, like ideally great, but like you have to show up and be creative in that moment. That's why you're showing up is to be the creative energy in that space potentially. (laughs) And you got to be able to turn that on and that's worth something. People have to pay for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that can be hard, especially if it's something that you've always thought of as a hobby. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you want to make money from it. Is there a little bit of a mindset switch there with the, oh, I I killed the fun? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first few years, it was more of a hobby. It was more of like a side gig, but side gigs weren't even really talked about 10 years ago. Like it wasn't really like side hustles wasn't really a term. I don't remember ever hearing it anyways. (laughs) But for me, I went to a conference for people who do this type of work from all over the world. And I went to that conference with a very specific mission. And I was like, I'm going to leave this conference going, I'm just going to continue to do this on the side, or I'm going to go all in. I wanted to kind of soak up the energy of other people that are doing this. Like, is this possible for me? Right. And I think it's totally fine to have a hobby on the side and you do it, you charge for it or you don't or whatever. I think it's important to charge at least something, even if it's a hobby, because you have to teach people that creative projects and endeavors and skill sets are worth compensating for. So I try to encourage people to charge Mm -hmm, something, mm -hmm. even if it's a hobby. But yeah, I think you kind of just have to make a decision. Is this going to be a hobby or am I going to really try to build a business around this? Am I going to take this to the next level and it's going to be more of my daily life or what have you? And I think either decision is fine. It's just the energy behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I run into that with all clients, no matter what kind of business stuff they're doing, you know, you get trapped into the, well, I'm just, I'm okay right here. It's like, all right, that's fine. If it is a conscious decision of, yeah, I'm okay right here. Yeah. And I think that's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope because what people say to me is, um, I have enough. I'm like, yeah, but what's enough? 
Have you clearly defined for yourself what enough is? If you cannot pay out of pocket for a vacation, to me, you're not making enough because you need to be able to do what it is that you love to do and you're charging and what have you. But if you struggle to pay some of your bills or you don't have any money for holidays or you can't go on a vacation, that's not enough. And I think we go, oh, well, those are nice to haves. I'm like, no, no, those are essentials. Yeah. Taking time off and going on a vacation is an essential. Yep. Have you made the extra few thousand dollars to be able to go and not worry about choosing a menu item at the restaurant because it's the cheapest thing? I'll be the yep. hell that I die on when it comes to that because <laughs> I think it can be this, oh, it's enough. Oh, I'm fine. Oh, it's good. But I'm like, but is it though? And have you done the numbers? Like I am not a math person, but I love money numbers. I love looking at... <laughs> What am I going to do? How am I going to charge? What does this look like? You know, and my setting money aside for decompression time. Like I cannot live illustrate every day. Mm-hmm. So I have to take that into consideration. Like I would be burnt out. Like I would have been burnt out years ago. Yep. <laughs> if, if you did it every day, because it takes so much creative focus. And I was just talking to someone this morning that she said, it's like actually really hard on your nervous system right? Because you're taking in so much information, you're processing it all. So you have to take those, like, can you, like, I had my physio appointment this morning. You have to be able to pay for those things and Mm -hmm. you have to incorporate those. Mm -hmm. If you can't, well, I can't afford the physio appointment, then that's a problem, right? So be wary of the language that you use when it comes to Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's enough. I'm like, but is it really? Yeah. Oh, no, I love it. Absolutely. Cause COVID taught me that, yes, I was having enough because I was scheduling out the stuff, but then scheduling out vacations and got in the habit of not scheduling vacations and then not saving up for the vacations because I didn't need to, right? I need to take my own advice here. Like, don't say that I am not someone to look at. Like, don't look at my schedule or you'll be like, (laughs) what is she saying? She doesn't, Uh, I need to take my own advice for this. Yeah, which is usually when all of this pops up and then the conversation happens and then it's like, okay, I'm going to go and do that right now. (laughs) But like, for me, I know client work-wise, December's always quiet right? December is a quiet month. And I'm like, that's okay. I plan for my year knowing December's going to be quiet on the client front and it's fine. And I just block off a few weeks. I can do whatever I want. I can work on a side thing that I've been wanting to do for a while. I could do nothing, right? I can do whatever I want for a few weeks in December, but I know I have that flexibility and I look forward to that. By the end of the year, like I need like a brain break. Oh, for sure. Yes, right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've been looking at it for years. I always took the last two weeks of the year and I didn't have it scheduled out. Um, I would do some brainstorming if I felt like it, you know, a little bit of mapping out what it would look like, but nothing super structured for years. And then I don't know when I stopped doing it, But I just kept doing the whole thing until the end of the year. And all of a sudden, I was like, okay, when was the recharge and get excited about 2024? (laughs) When is that supposed to happen? Instead of, I just emailed my masterminds and it's feeling a little bit of Groundhog's Day. So that's why I know this conversation is happening. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I really want to dig into what it is that you are doing with your creativity (laughs) and your art. Because when I pulled up your website, 
Um, so you've got sketch note school, which yeah. I have already gotten on your list today. Um, <laughs> got on your list today for that. And, and then you have minds. Yeah. And that looks like your services that you offer. Mm. So what are people using these services for? And I know you guys, this is kind of hard without me pulling up a picture, but your graphics are amazing. I love oh, it. Thank you. Yeah. So usually like what I like to say to people is, have you ever been in a meeting and it's been really boring? Yeah. All that. That's exactly as I was looking at your pictures going, oh, that would be such a better conference. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So conferences, organizations, you know, anything from a teeny tiny nonprofit all the way up to like fortune 500 company, um, go into the meetings, go into strategic planning, go into conferences and whatever I'm hearing, whether I'm hearing a presentation, whether I'm hearing a conversation, However, that looks individual, depending on the client, I visualize that information, right? So if it's an hour long keynote presentation, I'm there for that hour. I'm live drawing it when they're done. I'm done pretty much. So it's a very clear snapshot in time of the key messages, the key ideas, the funny little things that that speaker said, or if it's a day long meeting or a multi-day or whatever it is, and you're trying to get to some decision as a team or what have you. I'm there to illustrate all of the voices and making sure that everybody feels like a valued member. They're there. They're feeling heard, valued. It was a good use of their time, right? And because most people think in pictures, right? A picture's worth a thousand words, right? Mm -hmm. It resonates with the majority of people in the room from a visual perspective. And then when you add in the human connection piece, like everyone keeps asking me about AI, AI. And I'm like, you cannot remove the human connection. Mm -hmm. That's what people are going to value more and more. And I feel like I'm primed in a great place actually to be able to help people have that human experience and that connection. And I really care about working with people who care about not just the people in the room, but the participants learning their engagement, the accessibility of information, because nothing is worse. You leave this two-day strategic planning or you leave this three-day conference, you don't remember anything. And Mm -hmm. that drives me absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. So you have these visual snapshots that you can look at very quickly and go, right, he said that, they said that, okay. Because from a speaker's perspective, for conference, for example, I would hope as a speaker, you care about the learning of the attendees and you want them to take all your wisdom and actually apply it. But you cannot apply it if you don't remember it. (laughs) Right? So I find myself in really interesting and unique spaces and places in any industry, really. And I get to kind of just soak it all in for a couple of days or a few hours or whatever it is. And then on the flip side, I'm starting to teach people how to do this for their own learning. And that's what Sketchnote School is all about. Because Sketchnote is a more popularized term on how to draw your own notes. So if you go to this conference and I'm not there then you can draw your own thinking and trying to explain to people that drawing isn't something always to be admired. It's something drawing can be an active tool to help you think and learn, mm-hmm. right? And you do not have to be an artist. You don't even have to draw. Like I can teach you draw the drawing skills in like 15 minutes, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's not complicated, but a lot of people have this like really weird relationship with creativity, 
right? So I'm also feeling like I'm trying to peel that back for people of like, yes, you are creative. You probably just had a bad experience at some point in your life that told you you weren't, but all of us are, Mm -hmm. whether we draw or we're good storytellers or we're funny or whatever it is, we're all creative in our own way. It's just tapping into that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like doing it in this space. Right. And especially as entrepreneurs. I mean, even people who say that they're so analytical, it's like, well, as an entrepreneur, you're still creative because you're constantly yeah. creating things. <laughs> you don't get to run away from it. No wonder why you need the downtime. If you are doing this live and pulling in all of that energy, oh my gosh, that must be draining. <laughs> it is very exhausting. Yeah. And it's um, mental and physical, like, because usually when I'm in person, I'm literally doing with papers and markers, like gigantic illustrations. And then I still do this in person for digital as well. But a lot of times I do hybrid meetings and things and I'm doing it on a screen, mm-hmm. right? And I'm drawing it all out live on a screen. Yeah, there are physical elements to it, but it is more of the mental capacity. Mm-hmm. Like I feel bad for people who try to talk to me at the end of a conference and I'm right. just like, da, da, da. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't even put two sentences no. together to talk to you. <laughs> They're like, do you have a business card? I'm like, yeah, I don't even know where they are. I don't even know. <laughs> Like I said, you guys, this is really a tough one to not be able to show you (laughs) on the audio, of course. But if you go and pull up her site, go to her profile, I believe I'm scrolling through it right now. Um, Portfolio, go to her portfolio, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. She is taking for lack of anything else, the minutes for the meeting and turning them into something absolutely gorgeous and actionable and, you know, arrows and fun looking stuff instead of Mm -hmm. just a word graph. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, because a lot of us think in pictures to me, of course, it's like at this point, I'm, it's like a no brainer. Like, why wouldn't you have someone visualizing the information? But the example I give is, you know, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world for a reason Mm because people would rather see what's up, what's up. They want to see someone make a recipe or show them how to do something. But if you try to explain it in words or in writing, you know, some people prefer that, but even if they do, a lot of people still appreciate a visual. If Mm -hmm. even if they don't consider it one of their primary preferences for learning, a lot of people still resonate with a visual, right? That's why like all social media, all it is is visuals, man. Yeah. Like all yeah. of it. It's yeah. all visuals. Like, what are we doing? We're scrolling reels on Instagram because yeah. we want to see stuff, right? You know, there's still always going to be a beautiful space for written content. And I love a good book in my hand and I want to read it. But we need just to be able to give other avenues for learning and engagement. And like, mm-hmm. You know, one thing I tend to talk with a lot of clients about lately is like around the accessibility of information and more organizations, thankfully, are caring about the diverse learning styles of people in the room, including people who have like ADHD or some sort of like processing issues or whatever, physically they can't sit there for that long for whatever reason. And we want everybody to have access to the information. Right. But like saying, oh, well, you can just watch the presentation later on a Zoom, like five months when we put it on the YouTube. Like, that's <laughs> right. not good enough, in my opinion. And no. it's singling people out by not offering other ways for someone to 
digest content from that speaker. Mm-hmm. And a slide deck is not going to do it. Yeah. That is a cop out, in my opinion. Yeah. Offering a slide deck to your attendees after is lazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if the speakers do slide decks well, it shouldn't tell you the whole story. Right, exactly. It's, it's supposed to accompany it. Yes. And tell, it shouldn't just be walls of text. And even if it is, it's still not going to tell you yeah. what the speaker said, yeah. right? It's just supposed to be a supporting document, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, yeah, anyways, you got me on a... Um, <laughs> Uh, no, 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 podium today. I'm, I'm doing all, saying all the things. <laughs> There's nothing worse than somebody just standing up there and just reading their own slide oh, deck. You're like, oh. You're like breathe, like, breathe, and go off. Like, <laughs> go last, off on a tangent, please. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I I haven't updated my numbers this year, but last year I captured over 600 presentations. Oh my gosh! Right. So that's a lot of drawing, and that's a lot yeah. of flip listening. Right. Yeah. I feel like. This point, I'm more of the professional listener than anything. You just happen to get a nice graphic out of it. And I have had my fair share of sitting through some pretty horrific (laughs) presentations. I feel like I could start a whole new business just teaching people how to present information. Yeah, well, that's how it starts. You're there and you're getting what's working and you're watching the audience and you're firsthand watching the audience up there. Yep. And that I'm always keeping them in mind. What do I think they need to take from this? Who are, what are they, you know, if I know it's a room full of newbies, but the person on the stage is like saying really advanced stuff, I'm trying to like hold space as a newbie or what have Mm -hmm. you, right? It's, yeah. And I don't know what anyone's going to say before they're going to say it. Like I'm listening in the same space that they are. So I'm trying to hold that learning in the same space, right? Right. Yeah. Man, you would be gold if a speaker took you on tour with them That'd for what fun. you would teach them <laughs> and how you would help them. <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> I think like, you know, I do have a couple of speakers because I've worked like a lot in very specific tech spaces that I've captured a couple of times. And there's this one guy specifically that he actually comes to me after And he'll say, hey, what did you hear? Why did you capture what you captured? And he uses it as a reflection tool, which I think is so cool because he obviously cares about the audience too, which, you know, I hope speakers do, but uh, you can tell that a lot of them don't. It's just more of an ego trip. And he wants to make sure that he communicated the information well and being able to digest that with him for a few minutes or talk about it, even him just reflect on it. He's like, if she didn't get something, then that I wanted to make sure that everybody understood. Nice. Did I not emphasize it enough? Did I not make it clear enough? So um, I think it's a beautiful way for them to have this nice capture of their information. And a lot of events will give us gifts yeah. or they'll print them and mail them or whatever it is, which is a beautiful way to kind of like show your appreciation. But then also this really cool how people use them after mm-hmm. events and, and things as well. And it's cool that it has the, in the moment engagement, but then also the longevity after, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You've got me wanting to go to Amazon like immediately and go get one of the easel, the big draw, <laughs> draw papers. Big paper, man. Just to, see, just to see what in the world can I even come up with? Big paper. <laughs> big paper is the best. Go to a print shop. Go to yeah. a print shop, get a big roll of paper. I had to get some more and they're 150. They're three and a half feet wide by and they're 150 feet long. 
Wow. Um, I got four rolls to <laughs> pick them up. They're great. And like nothing is precious, right? Uh-huh. You want to play around? Nothing is precious. You don't ever even have to show it to anybody if you don't want to. Right. On a wall, sticky notes are your best friend, especially in your if you're in this mode right now and you're thinking 2024, throw a piece of paper on the wall and grab a bunch of sticky notes, write a bunch of stuff down, stick them up there, and then you can move them around. Yeah. And then you could always like, okay, I'm actually like happy with this, the way I want to do this. Then you could like write it and doodle or do whatever you want, make it permanent. I like my vision board are like sticky notes because I want to be able to swap them out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to challenge myself on something, right? Whereas sometimes the permanentness of it can be a little um, scary to people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's just like use paper and put a sticker on like something sticky on the back of it and move yep. it around. Use a sticky note or do whatever you want, right? And like use your like materials that you have in a cupboard that you never use because you're nice ones. Like, I am, yes. it, like treat yourself. <laughs> Use your nice stuff, you know? When else are you going to use it? So I know, right? Use yeah. that journal or those that beautiful pack of sticky notes that you haven't used yet because yeah. you're like, oh, but I want to save them. No, right. just use them. Just yeah, what are you saving them for? To take them with you? <laughs> <laughs> use the good stuff. Use the good ends. Use everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how in the world did you get started doing this? Yeah. So I learned that it was a thing as a facilitator. So I started working right out. I just took early childhood education. I started working at a nonprofit and a few years into there, I moved into a facilitation role and I really fell in love with community development and facilitation and how to help groups of people navigate their own wisdom to come to whatever it is they're trying to get to. And I love facilitation because it's about group process. It's not about you being the expert. Mm-hmm. It's about knowing how to ask good questions and honestly to be that professional listener, right? And help them get to whatever goal they're trying to achieve, right? So after doing that for a little while, I left that. I wanted to move back to my home, buy a house, get married, do all those things. And I started seeking out opportunities to do facilitation I couldn't figure out at the time how to do it professionally. So I was volunteering a lot of organizations and nonprofits and things and trying to do what I could just to kind of keep my skill, Uh (laughs) develop it. And uh, a facilitator friend who I met, he told me about a one-day graphic facilitation workshop, but I didn't even know what that was at the Uh time. And I went to that workshop and I was like, this is it, man. (laughs) This is like my, like, I think I always wanted to secretly be an artist, but it was never on the table because of all the things we talked about at the very beginning of this conversation. Uh And I was like, oh, it's always like, it was my artistic side that I've never really were able to explore professionally. And this facilitation, listening, thinking, digesting, reflecting side that I really, really loved. It was this kind of beautiful, mash yes oh that's the best when that happens (laughs) and that was 10 years ago like it was October of 2013 or something and because I can remember because my my oldest who now is 10 she was six months old at the time and I was as long as I'd ever left her alone (laughs) with someone so it's very easy for me to remember but it was a few years of just sort of playing around and figuring it out and um and then, yeah, in about like 2015, 2016, I was like, okay, I'm going to like try to build a business. And then later 2016, early 2017 is when I was like, 
I'm going all in on this. I need like this or go home kind of thing. Awesome. Awesome. So listeners, pay attention to the timeframe she said and the different things that Ashton was learning along the way that led to figuring out exactly what you wanted to do. I know that's something that I have had issues with. It's like, okay, well, I did this. Oh, that didn't work. I did this. Oh, that didn't work. And it's led me to exactly where I am right now, doing exactly what I want to be doing. If I hadn't had all of those fails, air quotes, fails. Yeah. Yeah, And I think like for me too, those first few years, it's like I had a business, but it was like secret. Uh-huh. So don't do that either. Don't have a business, not tell anybody. Cause I did that. And I was like, why don't I have any clients? But and I'm like, cause I didn't tell anybody I was open yeah. for business, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And like my web, my first website was awful. My first logo was horrible. Like yeah. all of it was awful, but like it was something and I procrastinated the crap out of everything just to like avoid telling people I was open for business. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would do all the research. Like I heard a term recently is like procrasta learning. Yep. Right? Like you could put procrasta anything as yep. anything you can do other than to tell people that you're open for business. But that's like the scariest thing to do because you're just opening yourself up for potential ton of rejection, yeah. which I got a ton of like those first early years was like rejection city, right? It's just mm-hmm. like every day getting rejected and trying like reading books on rejection to try to get over right. <laughs> like turmoil of being rejected constantly because I didn't know how to articulate my value enough. Like I wasn't showing up in spaces enough where people could see it, understand the value. And I had to go through a lot of that But certainly if I would have just told people that they could hire me, that could have been a good start. So it is a good start. It is. Yes, absolutely. I've been just as guilty of it many, many times. And well, you know, part of the reason is, well, if nobody really knows, then can you really fail? No, not really. (laughs) And fear of success as well is, you know, just the same on the other side of, of, gosh, well, what if it does take off? Then yeah. what? Life changes. It's like, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you have to run your business. It took me a long time to learn this. You have to run the, your business in a way that feels good to you. Because I feel like in the procrastinate learning those first few years, I would like watch all these business bros about like funnels and all this stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like this doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. I don't like it. I don't want to like put someone through a funnel that feels icky. Like I don't like it. And I felt like I had to do some of those things, but then I would never really do them because I didn't like it. Right. So it took me quite a long time for me to realize I'm like, I can run my business in a way that feels good to me and I'll still get clients. It's fine. Like it will work itself out. Even if I don't do all the things, quote unquote, that some dude on the internet told me I should do in order to be successful. So you like seek out like listening to this podcast where there's other people like doing other things and running their businesses in ways that feel good to them, Mm -hmm. right? That feel authentic to them, not necessarily feeling like you have to follow all the like experts in all the things that they tell you to do. Yeah. Cause I feel like I don't do any of those things and I still do well. Like I'm still fine. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, there's no one way to do business. And that's the thing. It's like that worked for that person. 
You know, it yeah. might work for some of the other people that followed along with them, but it's not going to work for everyone. If there was one way to do it, we'd all be doing it. Exactly. <laughs> Saying this a lot, like in my mind and to others recently around, you look for the evidence that it's possible, right? And that's why it's important for someone like me to come and have a conversation with you because then it shows people that things are possible for them mm-hmm. because you can do the opposite and say, I'm going to look for the evidence that it's not going to work for me because I don't want to do what all those like internet bros tell me I need Mm -hmm. to do. Right. So seek out ways to find people and it is harder. It is harder. You have to look a little deeper sometimes in the spaces and the books and the podcasts and things where people are authentic and they're running things the way that feel good to them and not getting kind of sucked into hustle culture and all Mm -hmm. that kind of like scene, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's so much easier to get sucked into that space. And I think people are starting to get pushed back on that a little bit. So maybe it's a little easier to find it now, but you can look for the evidence and look for the way that you want to do things from other people who are doing things a little Mm -hmm. different that feel good to them. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't want to do it the way that they're doing it, like maybe you don't want to do it the way that I am, but they're like, well, Ashton's doing it the way that she wants to. So maybe I can do it the way that I want to and I'll still be successful. Yeah. Permission to do it the way you really feel like you want to. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what matters Your happiness and your client's happiness, that's all that matters, right? If your client is happy, they're going to come back to you. Honestly, the majority of my work this year has just been repeat clients. And I've been happy as a client because they're awesome. awesome. And they're like, they could be my friends. Like, they're great. And that's who I want to be working with. They have to pass the fun test when I have a call with them. If they don't seem fun and easygoing... I don't want to work with them. Like I'm very strict. Nice. <laughs> Good. But in the beginning, it's harder to be like that. Yes. Right? Until you have that confidence and you learn and, ooh, maybe you learn the hard way by taking mm-hmm. on a client that you, knew you shouldn't mm-hmm. have said yes to, but you did. <laughs> and now you're regretting it. Like yep. everybody does that. Yeah. Right. But being a little bit more strict in like who you want to work with and you'll have a good time. Yeah. And you can do it in a way that feels good for you. And it's funny because I'm on the opposite end now. Whereas before I would get rejected all the time and it hurt like hell was awful. And now I'm on the other side where I literally just tell people on a call. I'm like, hey, if you're fun, I only work with fun people. Right. (laughs) And they're like, I think I'm fun. I think think we're fun. And I'm like, well, you better be because I'm not going to work with you if you're not fun. (laughs) And then they're trying to sell me to work with them, right? But that, it's just, that's confidence over time and and positive reinforcement and positive work experiences over time can get Mm -hmm. you to that point of, I never thought I'd ever be at this point where I'd be like, so chill on a sales call where, you know, I'm just like, well, if you're not fun, like we're not going to do this. Right. Uh, Whereas before I had such desperate energy and was awful. Like Mm -hmm. I would literally have to take my Fitbit off because my heart rate would spike and it would think (laughs) I was sitting there. 
Phil is aboard, not working out. You're getting the notice. Okay, we, we need yoga right now. Yes. <laughs> you need to chill. Totally get it. It's yeah. an amazing thing. And especially because you are doing what you want and you value it. You understand the value of it. So yeah, it's just a whole new ball game when you get to that level. And it's just yeah. awesome. It is a special place to get to, but it just takes time and energy, yeah. unfortunately. And I do feel like more confident these days because I can say I've been doing this for 10 years, like 10 mm-hmm. years is a long time to be doing something you know, but I, when I was doing like for five years, it's like, oh, I've only been doing it for five, you know, it doesn't feel as impressive, but there is a, sometimes like it is a bit of a long game, unfortunately. And we have like, we are in an instant gratification world and Mm -hmm. and we feel like we should have all the success we want. And then we see a reel on Instagram is like, I made a million dollars in two months. I opened my business two months ago and I made a million dollars. And then you feel like garbage. Yeah those stories and stuff, they just feed the the negative yes. parts of us that yes. believe that we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing you said is looking for the people that are doing things similar to you, not to you, but in a way that you want and finding them. And I just want to let everybody know that when you start doing that, while it does take some time usually to find those people, once you're doing it, you'll start noticing more of the positive versus the negative. And the beautiful thing is, I don't know about you for social media, but I started getting rid of all the negative. (laughs) Cause I was like, as soon as something would pop up, yeah, as soon as it would pop up, I'm like, Oh hell no, you got to go. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't need that. I don't need that. (laughs) Honestly, like make friends with someone who is your competition Make friends with your competition, because there really is no such thing Mm -mm. because like for my line of work, if someone sees someone in an event live illustrating, they're going to hire them or they're going to hire someone else, yeah. right? We don't need to poach clients from people. Like there's enough to go around. Mm-hmm. But if you make friends with people who might be considered your competition, you get to, you know, like I have a couple of people like on a Facebook messenger thread and we just like, every time we're going through something that's not so fun, we just uh-huh. mess it. And we just yeah. need to like get it out for people who understand. Yes. Because we know all the nuances and weird little things, what it's like to be a graphic facilitator, live illustrator, sketch note, or whatever you want to call it. Like there's all these funny little nuances and people who aren't in the industry don't understand. Like right. you can complain to your husband or your friend, but they don't get it. Nope. Right. And it could be a potential source of income. I didn't make friends with people for the thought that they would eventually refer me to something, but I get referrals like, oh, I can't do this job. I'm already booked. Are you available? I'd love to connect the client with you. I have like referral agreements with other people that if I send them stuff, they send me stuff. That in itself could be join associations and being parts of places where it may be considered competition, Mm -hmm. right? Like I had a conversation with a woman this morning who lives in my area and there's so few of us here who do it in my area. And she's like, I didn't even know you existed. And I passed on jobs recently because I didn't know you existed, but I could have been like, no, I don't want to talk to her because she's my competition. Mm -hmm. And then you can get a sense how people love to work and what their values are like. And if you want to be associated with them or whatever, Because also, like, if you might get to a point where you need to pass on something, but you know, this other person would be a great fit, then you have someone to refer, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have to have an abundance mindset around it. Mm -hmm. 
like you're going to do yourself graves a service if you're just feeling like you can't share anything. Yeah. You know, like the scarcity versus the abundance yep. kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Yep. I, yeah, I hear you. I'm friends with a ton of people that run events and mm-hmm. most people are just like, oh gosh, aren't you worried? You know, <laughs> it's like, no, no, because we all talk. Yes. Work with this person. Don't work with this person. You know? yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I don't think clients understand this. Like no. my husband, he runs a landscape company and he didn't have someone pay him or she was threatening not to pay him. And he saw people working at that property. So he just stopped by and he said, Hey, do you love getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> if you right. do, I would stop doing this job right now because yeah. she didn't pay me. Yeah. And then the next day he was paid. Right. He got a, a, a thing <laughs> exactly. in his bank. Right. Exactly. It's like, I don't think they realize if they treat someone crappy, I don't think they realize that some people are very interconnected. Yes. Right. Yep. And then they'll spread the word, like, don't work with this person because they'll take advantage of you or they won't agree to the terms and conditions and then they'll screw you, like whatever. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They don't, exactly. They, <laughs> right. Yep. You want like you also want to be in those spaces talking to people in your industry for that reason too. Like mm-hmm. obviously, hopefully that doesn't happen a lot. I feel like it does come up. It does come up. Thankfully, more often it's more of, okay, well, I've tried this and this didn't work. You know, you tried yeah. this and that didn't work. So what is working kind of yeah. to, to bounce it off? Like you said, to have, you know, here was a good day. Here was a bad day, you know, bounce it off with somebody that knows what you're so doing. Someone who understands the nuance of yeah. your industry and you're like, oh, the vendors did this. And they'll be like, oh, vendors, you right? know, exactly. Vendors. Yep. <laughs> Get it out and let it go. <laughs> exactly. Because sometimes you just need to be able to vent about things, but it has to be with people who really understand. Yeah. Really helpful. Yeah. Exactly. Hopefully that doesn't have a lot. Hopefully yeah. it's sharing wins, which is really yes. important too. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Ashton, for all of this. Is there anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? You've given them great information already. It was great. Yeah. Thank you come for coming to my TED Talk. I uh-huh. got lots of things to say today. You got me in that mood. Uh-huh. You got me in that mood. You know, I, you already shared the websites. I think that's a great place. I've been posting more on Instagram lately, which is Ashton Mind's Eye. So yeah, I kind of hang out on many different spaces for different things. And I'm kind of in a bit of more of the education space lately. We're trying to teach mm-hmm. people how to do sketch noting. And I have my book, The Beginner's Guide to Sketch Noting. So if that sounds like, oh, maybe I want to try drawing my notes or, oh, you have a kid in school or whatever and wants to give it a try. I'm teaching my 10-year-old now. She's uh-huh. kind of at that good age of, of learning. So it's always a good time. So you can yeah. find the book on the websites and uh, Amazon and all that good uh, stuff. Too. But yeah, I'm I'm interested yeah. in and giving it a try just for some upcoming workshops, you know, just like run yeah. it through myself and go, hey, how, how would this look? I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> and make, make fun of myself while I do it as I'm learning to get better at it because it's exactly. not going to be perfect to begin with. Um, yeah. But yes, I will have everything on there. You guys, if you want to make your meetings both in person or online more interesting and more digestible, as we were talking about, definitely go and check out hiring or learning how to do it from Ashton. And, and thanks again for being here, Ashton. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Had such a good time. 